Hey guys, welcome back to Crohn's Cast. Uh, tonight's episode, we are sitting down with Mo Rama. Mo, um, interestingly enough, contacted me on uh, Instagram, actually finding us on Instagram and listening to our podcast. It was really great to hear from the listeners, like how the podcast has been affecting them and what sort of things it's led them to do. And it was really great and an honor to actually host Mo, who's a bit of an adrenaline junkie, does a lot of amazing things, and he's just completed his 30-day challenge. Uh, Mo's all the way over in Dubai, and uh, we're going to be discussing lots of things about who Mo was before his diagnosis, what sort of things he was up to, and subsequently, like, what caused him to seek medical help, and, like, what is he up to now, and how he's not allowing his illness to hold him back. So without further ado, let's get Mo into the room and we will get underway. Hey Mo, welcome to the chat. And if you just for the guys at home, just let them know who you are, uh, where you're at and a little bit of insight into you, that would be great. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me over. So my name is Mo, shortcut for Mohammed, and I'm from Dubai, United Arab Emirates. So my journey began uh, when I was 18 years old. So I used to be, when I was a kid, I used to be a professional football player. I started playing football for Dubai Football Club since the age of eight years old. And then uh, that was my full-time career, full-time job. I used to go to school, then like play football. Um, I still remember on the when I was 18 years old, um, I was doing my training. I felt like I had like diarrhea, like really bad diarrhea. Went and it's, the diarrhea stayed for a week, around a week. Went to the hospital. They just gave me like some treatments. A month later, I was still having like severe diarrhea. And that's when I started to like think, it was like, okay, what's happening? This has never happened before. Usually it just goes away in two days, whether it's food poisoning or whatever it was. And then I started looking for medical help. Um, in I went for a different few hospitals. Three months later, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in Dubai. And that affected my football career because I couldn't play a professional anymore as I had to run to the bathroom in the middle of the game. And that caused a lot of issues with my coaches, like issues with my um, management at the club. So this is where it escalated everything. And this is where the first thing it hit me, um, that everything I had, everything, only thing I knew was to play football at that time. So this is where it started. This is where the journey starts. Um, I remember I took a flight, my parents and hospitals here. I took a flight, went to the US. I went to the US eight, six months after I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, went to the US, did all the tests and everything. And then they said, I actually have Crohn's disease. And then I started taking medication. I started going to the journey and I got back to the UAE three months later. And just taking medication, nothing have helped. Um, I've started looking for seeing for more help, and then I've got like some really good uh, advice to go to Ireland. Went to Ireland again. Ireland diagnosed me with Crohn's disease, gave me different medication, and nothing have helped. I went on a diet. I've tried to change a few things in life. Nothing helped. I was still like flaring up. I was still going to the toilet. I, I remember at that time I'd go to the bathroom like 30 times with no control. And so, yeah, so I had to stop playing football. I got kicked out of the club, lost my professional contract, got out of it. 
and then slowly slowly started to have like mental issues of like saying okay now what's next what am i gonna do so i went to university it wasn't easy because every two like every two minutes i had to go to the bathroom but then went through it got out of it and i still remember a friend of mine started like a rugby club in the in the, in the ue and rugby was just mainly dominated by westerners or expats and then we started we wanted to start like a UAE national team where like we have like locals and emiratis playing for the for rugby and like introducing rugby to it and then i said to my friend well listen um i would love to join but then i, I wouldn't be able to train i'll have to go to the bathroom and then he comes to me well, like ah oh, it's seven side, so it's a rolling sub so you can just go leave the bathroom come back and we're just doing it socially it's for fun so that's how I started going into back into it. And that's how it changed my mindset of saying like, okay, this is what I have. This is what I'm dealing with. I got to make the best out of it. I've got to work with what I have and I've got to like adapt to what I'm actually going through. So basically I started getting into it. I started playing rugby with friends and rugby kicked off, picked up. Uh, we started the first year national team. I started the rugby association. And that, that was because the team was very forgiving. The, the sport was very forgiving. Like, I can leave, go to the bathroom, come back, and I still have my spot on the pitch because it was a rolling sub. And this is how it started. And then I got, and then I became better at it. I got good at it. And then also it helped me a lot. Like, playing sport helped me a lot with my crumbs because the more I play, the more active I be, I can feel like myself in a better state of mind. I feel like my body is not fatigued. Because once I stopped playing sports for like, well, it was like three or four months and with at that time i would go to the bathroom from 25 to 30 times with like no control i had to go like it's an urgency so then i lose a lot of fluid i lose a lot of a lot of things out of my body like vitamins and everything so it makes me fatigue so the sport was one of the things that helped me and like kept me like sane and kept me like in my mindset so that until i went and i played for the national team and then we create we, we qualified for the world cup and I have, was having so much stress, so many things happening. I was like getting really excited and my Crohn's got even worse at that time. Um, it got really bad that I would go to the bathroom 40 times a day. I wouldn't even finish a full game without stopping three times. And it started like affecting me again. And that's when I went to like go, okay, medication is not working. By then it was already five years, me getting treatment, nothing had worked, nothing had helped. I haven't even found any improvement yet. And then I was like, all right, cool, what's next? And I had I traveled to seek more help. So then I went to US again to go back saying, okay, it's not helping. So the second time I go to the US, the US goes like, oh, I think you don't actually have corona, you have ulcerative colitis. So we need to change your medication to adapt to like what the new finding is. So I went for the medication again, change medication. And then that's when I started Humera. That's when I started Humera. It's like, all right, cool. Nothing is help. Medication is not helping. Let's go for Humera. Go back. Um, getting ready for the rugby World Cup. I got injured. I had like full. So my body was super weak. I felt like my muscles, my bones were like not as used to be before, even though with all the training I've been doing. And then during training, I was just running with no nothing around. And I, all of a sudden, I snapped my ankle. I tore my ACL, meniscus, cartilage, broke the bone. So I was out. So it was like literally two days before the Rugby Sevens World Cup 2008 in Dubai. So that was out. So that just like added more salt to the wound. I'm already like suffering and I'm already like struggling. And then all of a sudden I lose like the hope to play in the World Cup. 
So I went to surgery. That was really bad because I had to go to the toilet so often. And then I was in a cast. I was sleeping in the hospital. It just made it worse. Um, I went through really bad depression. I was like mentally not well. Things was not going well. Everything, like at that time, I felt like everything was shutting down. I just went in a bad place. And it was so hard because I had nobody. I like, I'm nev we don't have a community back in the UAE. We didn't have somebody that I can go and like consult or talk or even like express what I'm going through. So I had to take it all by myself. So starting to get worse and worse. And then a year after, like let's say a year and a half after my surgery, I wanted to go back. I had to go train hard, physiotherapy, be determined. I, I didn't have much chance to go back and play professional sport because I was just gonna put so much impact on my knee. And the, the surgery was too big that I had to take off a year of not putting any pressure on my joints. But I was like still like determined. I was like, okay, you know what? This is the only thing I'm good at. This is what I what I like to do, it's playing sport. Came back of surgery a year and a half, part of my rehabilitation. So I was Googling around to see like what's the best way and the fastest way to like excel into and like speed up my um physiotherapy and speed up my rehabilitation time. So then I saw like the training in the water. So basically you wear like a suit and you wear like special kind of shoes. And then you jump in the water and you run in the water. So basically it makes you float. So basically you develop your muscles but without putting any impact or any impact on the joints. So then this was my thing. So then I was like, all right, cool. This is fun. I enjoy the water, go back in the water. Uh, what the sea gave me a little bit of like serenity, gave me like a little bit of like relax and like bit of like a state of um, meditation kind of thing. So then I would spend time in the water. I felt happiness in the water. I felt like my mind was not going there. I felt like even my crawl was getting better in the water. I felt like I'm not going to the bathroom more. I felt like peace. So then from there, I done. I was done with my physio. I'm back. I can run. I started going back running. I started lifting weights. Um, I started going back to rugby, but I shifted from rugby to touch rugby. But then I still missed that element where I was in the water, which is the happiness element of it. So then I started Google and then I found out surfing. I've never knew what surfing was before then. So then 10 years ago from now, I, I took my first surfboard lesson. I, I rode the first wave. I really enjoyed it. I fell in love with the sport. I, love, I fell in love with the water. And for me, it was nice to be in the water that I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I was just like, it was really nice. So then I picked up surfing. Then I would spend a lot of time surfing, going through what I've been through, going through all the trauma, going through everything. And I found like kind of like a healing in the water. And that's when it hit me. It's like, all right, I like the water. I like sport. I really enjoyed surfing. So maybe this is something new. I can pick it up. So... Uh, at that time, I used to work for a company and I asked the company, it's an international company, and I asked them, is it possible to move me somewhere there's waves? And then the company agreed, so I moved to Australia. So I started working in Australia. I would go surfing every day. I would spend like six hours a day in the water because that's where I found my life change. Then I would spend every time, every second I have in the water. I wake up in the morning before I go to work, jump in the water, surf two hours, go to work, finish work, go fly back in the water, surfing again. And that excelled my surfing career. Then I went and I competed for the U. I became the first Emirati to compete internationally. And I went and I qualified for the World, for the world Games of Surfing. And I started doing the WQS events. 
and and at this time I still had my flare up like crazy. I would still go to the bathroom 25 to 30 times. Humira helped me 10%, but it didn't help as much as I wanted it. But then the water was nice. I can sit in the water, there's no problem, it was fine, there's no issues. So I was still at that time, still like getting bad, like I was still going 25 times, or like 25 to 30 times. I was still not getting any better. So from Australia, stayed two years in Australia. I moved to the US for two years. And then I moved to Ireland. And that's where my surfing career picked up. That's where I was like, competing. And then um, for me, I love to do new things. I love to go crazy. I love to like push my limits. I love to like um, see where my limits is. So when I moved to Ireland, Ireland has one of the best big wave surfing in the world. So you'll have Portugal, you'll have Hawaii, you'll have South Africa, and then you have Ireland, one of the big waves. And it was always on my mind to go like, all right, cool, I can surf, I competed, I've done that, what's next? So next was big wave surfing. So big wave surfing, I started in Ireland, I surfed 25 feet, started with, and I went all the way up to 45 feet wave. And now I'm pushing my limit to go to 75 feet, but this is a different project we can talk about later. So basically, this is what happened in Ireland. I went to Ireland, started big wave surfing, and um, I still remember my adrenaline was just like going, was rushing so fast, it was going crazy. Um, I was just feeling like those like butterfly in your stomach. And then after I've done, after I've rode the 25 feet wave, my adrenaline pumping so hard that I got so sick. I be I was super sick. I had the worst cramp I've ever had. So I went to the hospital in Ireland and then that's crazy. Was, so like because of the adrenaline you felt it actually made the the uh, the flare that bit worse. I've never yes. never never knew that. Yes, it made it it's because my it's because my my body I think was like pumping so hard, my heart was pumping so crazy and like everything and I think just like my whole body just like couldn't adapt or couldn't shift. I couldn't sleep for two days. So then my whole body just like all of a sudden just went in a shock and my stomach I had like really bad stomach cramp. So I would have it like once every three months that I would go to the hospital, they would give me like um cortisone, IV to calm it down, relax, and then be okay. But this time, I've, I've never seen that pain. I still remember I was in the hospital for four days afterwards. Uh, it was so hard. It was just like, it was just the worst cushion pain I've ever saw. So when I went to the hospital, and then we go back through the whole medication, out through the whole journey. I was like, what are I having in Humera? It's been two years with Humera. Like, sorry, by that time, it was three years of Humera. It's only 10% improvement. So then they raise the red flag. They say like, oh, this is too long. We should change medication. You shouldn't be on the same medication for that long if there's no benefit. Maybe your body's not used to it. So before they changed my medication, um, there was an announcement that surfing was gonna be in the Olympics. Uh, so I thought this is gonna be a good chance for me to qualify. I looked into it and how to qualify and then they said, go back. So then it was like, I have to do the Asian tour. So then I said, like, you know what? This is the perfect time. I'm going to go back to the UAE, and then I'm going to start qualifying for the Olympics. This is where interesting things happened. Moved back to the UAE, started to qualify for the Olympics, and then I went to Cleveland Clinic. It was just like a new hospital opened up, and through research, it looked like they have, like, good credibility, especially with, like, a IBD. So I went to see the doctor here, and the doctor goes, like, well, you don't have Crohn's disease, your report shows Crohn's disease, you do not have Crohn's disease, you have ulcerative colitis. So then they changed my medication, they gave me Voodoo Zimilap or something like that. I was on that medication for a year, 
no, sorry, eight months, be getting to the hospital, getting IV drops. Uh, I started with twice. I started with once every two weeks, and then we dropped, and then they dropped it down to one month, once every month. And then they increased it back again. Did you notice um, any changes to your training, or was it affecting how you were able to train at that time? Um, no, but then I just felt more fatigued. I felt tired. I felt, but that's, I, I don't know whether that's from the medication or that was just like in general of like me eating like really bad at that time. So I don't know what happened, either my like medications changed or something else, but then it felt like fatigue. So my recovery was longer. Um, it took me way too long to recover. Um, I would have to double up my training. I would have to take extra vitamins. I would have to adjust so many things to like cope with it, but I felt like fatigue. I feel like the training I've been doing, it takes way longer than it would used to do before. So then I had to adapt to it. So I had to like intensify my training. I would have to train like six hours a day for me to maintain what I, what the, 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 like the physicality or like my fitness level I used to have before. How did that make you feel having to do so much more work? Because I'm sure um, you were competing against other athletes that maybe didn't have this sort of background. And I guess really what you're uh, talking about there is there wasn't a clear sort of care pathway. There wasn't a clear diagnosis. Like they've flicked and flacked between Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, different medications. So how was that making you feel? So first of all, it did not make me like, I was, uh, first of all, mentally, it was not very good because then it looks, for me, it shows that like, they don't know what's wrong with me. They're just giving me treatment based on different or like results they've seen. And then everybody gives me different results. So then like I think this has also affected my health so much. And then more than that is like my body. I can feel it in my body like crazy. Like coming from like a professional athlete, I used to be like a professional sportman and I'd be training as a professional. And then coming here, I can see my body deteriorating. I can see my body is like feeling the pain. Like I, I even like injury for example or like for example like i tore my muscle i've torn my muscle before i tore my muscle now and it's just like completely different story it was just like the pain was more recovery was longer even now when i go for like any any small surgery any small like injury or like anything that happens like for example last time i broke my ribs and the recovery took so long took so long even like my physiotherapy was like i don't know why your body's not healing i don't know why your body is not actually accepting what we're doing and I think this is from the disease I'm having. I think either from the medication or from the chronic or from the ulcerative colitis itself. I don't know from where or what was it making it, but my body was not working really well with recovery. It's not working very well with like muscle injuries and everything like this. So this was the hardest part. And then of course, what you said, like when you go compete against people like super healthy and you can see people like been doing the sports since they were like, four years old you can see the gap you definitely see the gap i can see the gap even me paddling out i can see like how out of breath i am even though depending even though, like the training i do even the, like the exercise i've been doing i still do feel that struggle and i still feel that big gap in that. so when i moved back eight months later i went to the hospital and then the doctor was like ah listen you've been treating bad we need to keep a close monitor on you you'll have to do colonoscopy every six months they were like suspicious that i'm gonna be getting it's gonna develop to even worse than what it is now 
So in November, and before my last qualifier of the Olympics, it was my colonoscopy. Go to the colonoscopy, and this has never happened before, that I got a call from the doctor the next day and said, like, I need to see you tomorrow. I was like, what happened? He was like, nothing nothing like a red flag, but there's something we have to be cautious about. So I went to the hospital, and he goes, like, you have something called slow, like low dysplasia in your, we found in your, in your colon. So then, but then he said, like, we need to keep a, like a monitor. And then he explained what the dysplasia is. And then he explained what the next step is. And then how are we going to, like, hold it? So I think then they sent all my biopsy to the U.S. A month later, I got a call saying, like, oh, you have to go for another colonoscopy. The biopsy came and says you have low dysplasia, but looks like your low dysplasia is, like, very active, it's gonna grow so fast. So then in January, I went for another colonoscopy. Then the colonoscopy shows that it went from low dysplasia to high dysplasia, and then it spread so many different places in the colon. So then I get another call from the hospital saying like, okay, this is growing so fast. We need to do more, more tests, we need to more biopsy, we need to see how it's going. In April, we got a call saying like, okay, this is, it's developing super fast. There's nothing we can do. Medication is not working. Nothing is working. We got to go for surgery. And I've asked these options. They're like, well, there is an option to take it, but then it's going to be a risky option. Whether you continue on medication and then we're hoping it goes away, but they don't think it's going to go away. It's like 95% is not going to go away. So then they recommended the surgery. And then that's when I listened to your podcast. So, because for me, it was the main thing is like, okay, if I have a bag outside, how will I be able to surf? How will I be able to lay down the board? How is this going to affect my sports? How is going to, like, how does it work? Or all these things. And that's when I was researching and I found your podcast. And I still, like, listen to your podcast. And you had some, like, marathon runners over. You had some rugby players. So then I listened and I saw, like, okay, how are these people coping with it? How are these people, like, living with it? And then it just, like, gave me a little bit of, like, um, motivation it gave me a little bit of like okay these, these people done it i can do it maybe i can do it it's gonna help me it's gonna make my life and also like you've had some speakers on your on your talk that they talked of like how they changed their life which it made so much relate so much to me because this is there's so many things i wanted to do in life i couldn't do because i had to go and stop in the bathrooms which was running a marathon going hiking walking on the street with a coffee this is like as simple as this it, I've never done before. And like, something that it just touched me so much. So then I go to the hospital. I was like, all right, cool. Let's go. Let's do the surgery. And then we had to for immediate surgery. At that time, corona, coronavirus was in full swing. Hospitals were closed. Everything was shut down. We had to take permission, blah, blah, blah. We went in the surgery. Thanks God, surgery went well. And then I had... First two weeks was rough. I was still like pain. It was still like not easy. But then this is when I started like walking. I was for the first time in my life. I walked for one hour straight without um, having to the bathroom, without having to think. Okay, how am I gonna plan my route? How where is where is the closest bathroom? Because usually if we go, if I'm gonna go for a walk, then this walk will have to have some bathroom facilities on the road. Otherwise, I'm out. And how did you feel? So waking up. Um, with with your stoma, and uh, like how how was that for you body wise? Were you were you content already? Had you prepared yourself for that? I think I think 
I wasn't prepared because I didn't know what to expect. Um, but slowly, like when I woke up in the hospital the first time, I was like, okay, what did I do? Did I do, did, did, what did I, what happened? What did I do? Did I do something wrong? I was still in pain. So like things were getting worse. So then I started questioning myself. I was like, okay, did I take the right decision? Is this something that I really, I'm going to live with? And is this something that I want to happen? And how it's going to affect my, how it's going to affect my whole life, right? Uh, it wasn't easy. Waking up with a bag wasn't easy. The way it was changed at the beginning. And I was like, oh, what did I get myself into? And then I felt like I'm kind of like disabled. Like I had that kind of mentality. And I was like, all right, done. That's it. This is it. Like this is the worst decision of my life. Um, then it slowly, slowly, slowly started to like thinking. It started slowly like having like positive mindset. I started to like talk myself out of it and I'm starting to like see like, okay, how can I make this work? How can I live with it? How can I convince myself? First of all is this is good for you. This is, this is, is going to make you better. This is going to like excel you. So then foes came by. I had so much time to think. Uh, then a month after that pain went away, I started like acclimating to it. I was still like struggling. I would still have those like things I cannot do. It was still like snap in my head. And I was like, oh, shit, now I can't do this. And then this would be the last thing goes in my head. So for example, like I had to change the way I stretch. It has to change the way I, there's so many exercises I, I can't do anymore because well, I, I, I can't do it. But then but just having the bag and like having that resistance or having that like mobility changes, it would just click straight away. And then like the first thing I would do is just stop. I never knew how much a stomach can take. I never knew how much it can actually like how much forgiving it is, right? But then at the beginning, as soon as I feel any tension or as soon as I feel like discomfort, I would stop. I would get scared. So then it would change my whole regime of like training, stretching and all those things. So I went out for the first month. I would go for a walk. I would go for a long walk. And this is something that the first time ever I had, a, I called my friend and I was like, okay, let's go for a walk. And then I was like, oh, can I grab a coffee on the way? Because I've never had a coffee when I walked in my life or ever have a coffee in the car or even like had any drink in the car just because it doesn't flare up. Right. So I still remember this first time I walked and had a coffee. I was like tearing up because it's something, even though something small, something that like people won't relate to that people do it daily basis but for me that was a huge deal this is something that this is this was my breaking point where it says like you know what your life is better this has changed your life but now i need to adapt to what it is right then i need to change my mindset i need to change how it works and this is where it came to my mind uh in dubai they do something called the dubai fitness challenge so the Dubai Fitness Challenge is an amazing initiative from his Sheikh, from his Excellency Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed, Crown Prince of Dubai. So basically, what they do is they try to uh, motivate residents of the UAE to do 30 minutes of exercise for 30 days. So, and me, an athlete, me, I love trying new things. I've loved, I love like pushing my limits and love doing new things. I thought I was like, you know what, three months. It was the challenge was three months after my surgery. So I thought, you know what? The best way to do this is for me to do 30 day, 30 sports in 30 days. So every day I play different sports. One is to see how much, how is my stomach bag going to hold. Two is for me to prove to myself I can live normally. I can still do what I like. I can still push my limit. I can still 
be who I used to be, but now with not going to the bathroom as much as I used to before, which gave me more time. So this is where it happened. And then I started it. I went for my, so I went, I, went, I was scared. I was terrified. I didn't know what was going to happen. I told my, I went to the hospital. I said my doctor and I told my stoma nurse, this is what I'm doing. They said, it's a bad idea. You have to wait three months. It's too soon. Oh, so they were discouraging you from it. Yes. They said, do it, but not now. Wait. How did you, how did you decide on which sports to do? I'll tell you now. <laughs> so I went to my stomach nurse and I went to the doctor and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm just letting you know, just in case I come in as an emergency, please let me in. They said, we're not going to stop you. If you want to do it, do it. And then this is my personal number. Just come in anytime. Anything happens, just come in. So I was like, all right, perfect. And at that time I had nothing planned yet. I was like, all right, cool. I've done sports. I've met so many people. I have friends that play sports. So I thought the best way to start is I'm going to do the things that I know, the things that like super easy, the things that like um, I can either do myself or something I've done before, or I have friends that do it. So then I started. We do the first day we got paddle boarding. Second day I went horse riding. The third day I went wakeboarding. And this is how I met. This is I know people doing these things, right? And then I went paddle boarding. And then so once I passed the five easy sports that it didn't have much impact, I started to push my limit a little bit more. So I went free diving. So I thought, okay, how will the bag hold under water? Will it expand? Will it burst? Anything is going to happen to it? I was like, let's try it. I've done, so basically I've done uh, free diving before for training for big wave surfing, so I can free dive. So it's not the first time. So, but then I didn't know how much I can push my limit. Can I, can I actually free dive? Can I go down? So then I tried, I went, we started five meters, came back, was fine. It went 10 meters, it was okay. Then I went down to 15 meters and it was fine. Like nothing happened. The bag did not like um, expand or nothing, it just felt normal. So this is where I went through saying like, okay, this has worked, let's push. Let's do more that's things. Incredible. It's like. That's one of my th I I used to scuba dive and things like that, and that's one of the things I I would be concerned about going back to. So it's incredible that you've actually been able to get down to twenty five meters and just have pure stability and nothing go wrong. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, I was that yeah, exactly at this, and I was I was very I was I was super happy. I was like just like static happy to have like something I really love and I can do it again. And this is what like it pushed me even more. And I was like, all right, cool, let's go. That's it. Let's go. Let's go next. Let's see what happens. Because I wanted to do everything from contact sport, combat sports, water sports, and everything that will have, uh, I will know that's going to have an impact on it, right? So anyway, and then I kept going. No issues. I The first issue happened to the bag was skateboarding. I want to skateboarding. I'm not good at skateboarding. I can just go straight. But then I tried some, I, so the, the part, the, the whole thing behind the challenge, right? Either I learn something new or if something I've done before, I need to learn a new trick. So basically in skateboarding, I wanted to, jump, to like uh, drop into half pipe and I've never done that before. So I did this. I had a really bad wipeout where I slammed. I like went down straight down of the, of the ramp and I just slammed into the ramp and the bag just go. Pow. So the bag burst. That was the first time that I had issues with the bag. How did you how did you experience that? Like, what what was going through your mind when that happened? 
it was just like embarrassing. People were there, you know, like it just had that like embarrassment feeling. It just had like, oh, what did I do? Like, oh, people are looking at me differently now. People start feeling sorry for me. And I hate this. This is like something I really don't like. Do you think you'd react the same way now, having gone through it once already? Have you had any more times where you've exploded your bag or anything? And yes, been a couple more times it happened. So when it happened the first time, then yes, I felt like outcast. I, 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 I stopped, I changed the bag, I left home. It hit me so bad. I was like, oh, like it just like slowed me down. It slowed my progress into this talent and it slowed down my progress of like this whole thing that I built over the last few days. All of a sudden it went from like me being super positive, me super like pushing the limit into like, oh, done, stop hold. Okay, now what? I still had 10 days to go on the challenge. I still have 10 more sports. So I sat down back home and I was like, okay. My friend called me. My friend gave me the best call ever. Like my friend was just, he was super supportive, an amazing friend. He was the one who invited me to his house to like skate. Calls me, goes like, what, where did you go? I was like, no, I can't do it. He's like, no, 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 you're gonna come back again. We do it again. I was like, no, I, I feel embarrassed. I feel like this, I, I'm so sorry. Like I just kept saying like, I'm so sorry. Like, it's just like, he's like, no, 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 no. You're coming back. We're doing this. He's like, you don't have to be sorry. This is normal. This is natural. We are here to train. You are here to see what works, what doesn't work. You're doing this for a reason. You're doing this to actually show yourself and to prove yourself you can live normal life. Small mistakes happen. We all get injured. How many times you broke your legs? And then he's like, how many times you've done this? You never stop. You went back. Let's go. That's beautiful. That's, that's such an uh, such an important thing, I think, uh, to have people around you that give you that support. And, you know, I, I, he's done you a real good service there because obviously it's helped you out so much to recognize and realize that it is just like having any other thing happen to you, you know, like, like you mentioned in breaking your leg. And it's almost like how we perceive it isn't necessarily how the world would perceive something like that, as embarrassing as we might find having like a, a prolapse or, or a bag leak or a bag explosion as you experienced. Um, it's nothing to be worried about. And it's only it's more ourselves that make it into this big catastrophe. So I, I, that's, he's such a great friend for doing that. Yeah, I agree 100% because we make things worse in our mind, right? Because we overanalyze things, we make it sound worse than what it actually is. It's because we think it from our perspective, we think it from our like emotions, ego, so many things goes into your mind, right? Which is affects so much of how you feel and affects the decisions and affects so many things, right? But then if you look at it from other people's perspective, they don't mind. They're like, okay, so what? It's fine. You know what? Like, and this is what people, this is what actually motivated me. This is what actually got me back into it. So then perfect, fine, got out of it, went back, put my shoes on, changed my clothes, took a shower, done, changed my bag, put my shoes on, done. Drove back to my friend, we got back, skateboarded, and it was fine. So we got that done. And then the, the second time my bag my bag just like, it didn't explode, but what happened, it ripped. Um, I was surfing. So the first time I surfed uh, after my surgery, for me to go back into the sport I love and back to competing, back to qualifying for the Olympics, back for pushing my, pushing my limits and going back to my elements, back to the water. I've never laid down on my stomach. 
because it just felt super uncomfortable, super weird. I still, until now today, I don't know whether shall, I can sleep on my stomach or not. I've researched, I Googled it, there's no like one answer, right? So this was where my head goes around, goes like, ah, okay. And I still remember, like, I put my wetsuit on, sat down in the water, took me 40 minutes for me to like get over it and go like, let's try, let's see what happens. Let's, 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 let's just like lay down in your stomach and handle and see how it goes. I lay down on my stomach, very uncomfortable. I did not like it. It was so weird. Um, but then I was like, all right, let's try. Let's try just try to like put more weight on my chest, put way more weight on my waist, try to like adapt, try to change, try to things. It was just like trying to fiddle and wiggle around, but still nothing. I couldn't find it. I was like, let me just lay down. What's the worst thing can happen? <laughs> I was like, let's try it. I laid down, it was fine, no issues, no pain. I caught my first wave, up and rioting, felt good. And then paddled out, big wave came, crashed over me, the board hit me, I was like paddling on the board and then I, the bag ripped open. So I basically the bag just ripped where the, where the base is and it just like ripped all the way up. And did you, were you wearing a wetsuit at the time or was this just in board shorts? Or? I was just board shorts and t-shirts. So then I can just see like, yeah. I, can, I can see the bag and I can see like, I was like, oh shit. And then I got scared. I called my stomach nurse. I was like, I was in the water. Sea water went into my stomach. What to do? She's like, ah, oh, don't worry. Your stomach's too strong. Don't worry about it. Just clean it. You'll be fine. So then clean it, change the bag. Uh, adapt to it and I think I wore like kind of like a so then what I did was I did wear like a what's your top so basically something to hold it in place and it doesn't move because when I was in a t-shirt it was just like a bit of wobbly and a bit movie so then I just put a wetsuit on and then it just held in one place and it was fine I surfed for like two hours no issues everything was fine I really I think I found it like, um, how much of a how much of a joy was that then being able to go back to something that you clearly love so much? Uh, it was it was amazing. I was I was like sitting on the beach. I was crying. I was like literally, literally like tearing up. I was just like it changed. Like my stomach changed my life, right? So it made my life better. But then for me, when I had that first phone call saying like, "Hey, listen, you're gonna be living with the bag." What it did was I knew it was going to make my lifestyle better, but then it, I thought it was going to take off my sport away. I thought it was going to take my surfing away. I thought it was going to take away the chance of qualifying to the Olympics where I already lost qualifying for the World Cup. And so like this whole thing came back. But now that my lifestyle got better, uh, my body feels amazing. My body is completely different. I'm feeling like nutrient more. I feel like what I'm eating, I'm like absorbing. I feel my recovery is better. I feel like I'm like... I'm stronger than before. I feel, I literally feel that my fitness got up, my everything has got better. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it just changed my life. And now, on top of this, I can surf and I can go back and compete. And I don't see myself as like disabled. I don't see myself as like different than anybody else. I don't, I've, that goes out of my mind, right? So now I know I can push harder. I can go back. I can like train without going to the bathroom. I can walk and have a coffee without going to the bathroom. On top of all of this, I can surf, I can compete. So all of this came back through, and this is all the thing is the coming. Okay, let's do this. So then my next challenge now to test my bag. So I think like my bag was 
trying to keep up with me rather than the other way around. And then this is what flipped around. So now my bag is trying to keep up with my crazy lifestyle. So now the next thing is to put the bag into test is I'm going to go big wave surfing. I want to push my limit to 75 feet wave. I'm going to document the whole thing. I'm going to show how do we train to actually go do something crazy where like you're poking death. Anything goes wrong, then it's out. You, this huge impact. If you fall over, it's just like this, this sheer speed and like how it feels like hitting the waters. Yeah, it feels like concrete. And those small mistakes happens all the time, right? So this is my next step. This is what I'm doing next. So this is what I'm going to be doing next. This is what I'm working on. And so then since I have you on the call, I want to discuss something with you. So I went to see the doctor two weeks ago. And the doctor said, maybe we should think about J-Pound. So now in this dilemma of, shall I leave the life I have now, not going to the bathroom, to going to J-Pound, where I'll have to go to the bathroom around seven times a day? And then this whole thing goes back into my, into my mind saying like, okay, will I live normal life? Will I still have the urges of going to the bathroom like I used to before? Will I still have my coffee and go for a walk? Will I still be able to do my first marathon that I've never done before because I was super scared of like how to go to use the bathroom or to use the bathroom? So like, will this stop my progress? I am happy now. I can do everything I want. I can still like serve. I can do everything I want to do. I know it's just like, it looks weird that I have a bag outside, but I'm at that stage where I'm trying for me to become super open about it. So people know exactly what I've been through, what I have. And then like I've been open of my illness. I have, started to be open more before i've never spoke about it but now i know people like from because of your podcast it helped me so like okay but you help me and i want to help other people and that's why the story is going out but now the question is this do i go through that again do i go through the j pouch that the doctor is saying like do you want to do it the doctor said like looks like you're living life normally you saw my videos you saw what i've been doing he was like you look you, you seem happy you seem fine with it it's not bothering you so now the question is, do I go J-Patch? Do I still or live with the bag? I don't know. How is your experience? Um, I think it's it's different for obviously everybody, and I think you've done quite well to articulate that. Um, the decision to go and have a J-Patch or a reversal um, for me was kind of led, similarly to what you're talking about now, by my career. So in order to to keep my career, I needed to have a reversal. Um, otherwise, I would have had to be medically discharged. Um, so I've been quite fortunate for that. I've had an up and down sort of struggle, but more in my own mind about things. So I'd, I'd previously been asked this question and not spoken very highly of my life with the J-Pouch. Um, but that, I was, I was um, said to the guys that, I don't know whether this is a true reflection of living with the J-Pouch or whether this is stuff that I actually need to address and try to sort out. And I can say now that a lot of the things that I used to hold um, my J-Pouch responsible for, I've actually managed to get control of. So like things like irritation around your bum because of like a higher level of acid coming out of it. Um, again, that's something that I've managed to address myself and start controlling by just making sure I use barrier creams. I bought a thing called like a travel B-Day, which has been a godsend. Um, it helps just cleanse your your back passage a little bit better. Um, similarly to like how using a B-Day would be. I, mean, I know in the UAE and stuff like that, you have little shower heads and stuff 
in, in your bathrooms, which are really good. Um, so it's kind of like having that, but you have it in a travel form, so you can take it everywhere if you're at a public um, convenience or something. But yeah, like the the main difference is obviously you don't have to have an ostomy bag. You don't have to go through that process of changing, but you do have to then start using toilets as you would normally have done. Um, I think mine's very well controlled. I know it can be very mixed, um, but mine, mine personally is quite well controlled. So I would only go maybe six times a day, although a couple of those times will be at nighttime. And then, as you know now with your ostomy, um, how frequently that may be would change depending on like what food I've ate, if I've consumed alcohol or if I've been really having to drink a lot of water and things like that, that will all really impact how much you would have to go. So there, in my mind's eye, there's a lot more control with an ostomy because you don't have that urgency um, and you've got to relearn how to control that urgency. Um, that's the main thing from my experience is just having had an ostomy where all of the urgency was removed and the kind of like, you just went whenever you went to the bathroom whenever it was full and changed your bag or emptied it whenever you sort of felt that and um, to going back to like oh i need to go to the toilet and the fear of maybe having an accident was a lot of adjustments but i'm in a position now where i feel very controlled and and i do lots of sports lots of lifting and things like that uh so it's like i guess it's it's whether you, whether you're willing to go through the short-term recovery stages and getting used to going to the bathroom i guess normally again is is the biggest crux and how much that might delay your return to competitive sport that's that's where i think that would be the decision for me i don't know if that helps you whatsoever no it really does because see this is this is because you you, you just like hit the nail straight away because this is something that i'm also thinking about right like if i go to, if i go to the surgery again the recovery is not going to be easy. I'm going to miss the Olympics. Well, I'm, I don't know whether the Olympics is going to happen this year also. They had like a meeting to discuss whether it's going to go ahead or not. But then if it goes ahead and I do the j part, I'm not going to compete in the Olympics. I'm definitely going to miss it. Uh, so so this is the thing I'm thinking about. But then, but yeah, okay. Um, because the, one of the things that, like, and this is the same thing that goes in my head, right? Like I, I don't want to live what I used to live before. If I, if I knew that, my my ostomy bag is gonna like go. I would have literally just gone like, okay, I want to do the surgery. I want to like knowing now what I knowing now what how is this life with it. And uh, I would have gone back and said like, long time ago, like change it, cancel for me. So then it's like these the thing that like I don't want to go back to that life. I don't want to go back to the life where I have to wear diapers, where I have to like thinking where is the next toilet is or even like just like the think of like going to a concert like you cannot be in the middle of the dance you know what i mean like all those things that's like i don't want to go back there i do not want to go back there this is something that i've been i've experienced it it was really bad and i don't want this to happen so this is still like the fear in my mind but yeah i think this is something i need to think about <laughs> it's strange because like i there's so there is things that do impact like so going to concerts and that you will you will have to potentially go to your bathroom at those events. like, um, And that's one of the things I think about because I want to get back into multi-pitch climbing and like being adventurous all days. And it, it's a lot of mind work to um, control the your bathroom urges um, so that 
you can do things for a prolonged period of time. So usually if you go six, every, um, what would be every four hours realistically um, on a, on a six uh, movement schedule, I would be then looking at going to the bathroom um, if I was, but I, I can't hold it for longer than that, but it, it is a lot of mind over matter sort of work. Uh, whereas with your ostomy bag, it doesn't overly matter. Like this is going to sound disgusting, but for people that have ostomies and, and go through what we go through, it's probably just a dip in the ocean. When I had my ostomy, I would, you know, play golf for a few hours at a time, would do regular like hikes for multiple hours. And if the bag got full and there wasn't a toilet about, I would just sort of take an E and maybe empty it into a bush or something like that and, you know, like and cover it over. Whereas, and that, that didn't feel like that was kind of like as a man urinating, it kind of felt the same level of, right, well, that's isn't a big deal. Whereas obviously if I was to get caught short um, yeah. now and have to, to, you know, crouch over something and go to your number two and then obviously have to try and clean your bum and all that kind of stuff. It always adds a much, a much bigger ordeal to something that seemed almost as simple as just urinating. And obviously for guys, that's that's something you were, we're not too worried about. Um, so, yeah, those those are definite concerns. Um, if you were to go to an all-day concert, if you were to go to a um, like a festival, yeah. the, you would you would definitely have to use the sit-down toilets. Or although I know um, actually in the in the UAE and Arab countries, you tend to have the squat toilets, don't you? It's where you don't actually have to sit on a on a seat. Which yeah. I, I'm not sure whether that would be better or worse because sometimes I have a re it, it can be very messy. Let's just say in, in the toilet bowl after a day pouch number two. Um, so that that might be a, a consideration. Like if you if you enjoy having the, the squatty potty style um, toilet where there's no bowl, um, yeah, it can be very messy. You might be hosing down a lot more than just your bum afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what you do my consideration. Like I never thought about that. Like that's something I'm gonna really consider if I travel to and up the Arab countries, which is something that I really enjoy, would enjoy doing. Uh, squatty potty style toilet may not be great for me <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to take a shower afterwards <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah that's that's it that'll be uh, living in the arab world that'll be a significant sort of consideration about toilets in public um that you would have access to and um, obviously you could you know you could do things like maybe go in a bag or find like a uh, a travel funnel like like girls get a thing called a shiwi um, I'm not really sure how that works. I believe it's just kind of like a funnel that goes into a tube. Um, but whether that would just make it less messy for you and then you've got to clean the tube afterwards anyway, you know, it's loads of different. Like, we just opened a whole can of worms, haven't we? It's a whole so, can of worms. Basically now here in the public restaurants here, what they do, like in public bathrooms here, they will have like four stalls, normal, like a normal bathroom. And then it will have two that's like a squatting one. So basically you will have, you will have like, you, you'll have the option. So this is how they do it because some people until now, like for example, like my dad, right? Like they still use the old school bathrooms, right? So then they still have that option there. But you can choose. Uh, well, that's that's decent then. If you can choose, that's really, um, really good to know. Uh, so like, where are you on a deadline for making your decision or is it? Because like one of the things you could consider is to postpone until you find out what's actually happening with the Olympics. Yeah. Um, because I know... 
the whole qualification process is all out of whack. Having just talking to to Fran last night, um, there will be people going to the Olympic potentially if it happens, where this will be their first real competitive meet of the season. And that's it's crazy to think that, like, you know, we'll be watching the Olympics where these people haven't competed in nearly a year to two years because of everything that's going on. So, so yeah. it, could, it could be a blessing. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. It could be a blessing. Uh, so, yeah, so basically tournaments and everything, I think they're going to do for the qualification. They're going to use our score from last year, which is good for me. I really hope they use last year's scores. Uh, but I think the last event for now is being scheduled for June. And that's in El Salvador. That will be my last chance for qualifying if the event goes back on. But if not, then the Olympic will be my first tournament in a year and a half. So it's gonna I, think, I think it's crazy, but it's it's also very exciting. So we've talked a lot about um, your experiences and you know the ups and downs that people experience with having IBD going through like mixed bags of diagnosis is resulting in significant changes to medication and, and the care pathway that you're following to, you know, experiencing all the frustrations of that whilst trying to lead a normal life with um, within elite sport. You know, you, like you're one of the many people now that I'm sort of falling into that are competing at, at elite levels in multiple different sports and, that's a career and obviously you require to be at peak physical health. And I'm just wondering what advice would you give to other people um, that are maybe going through these experiences, maybe not performing at elite levels or if they are performing at elite levels, like what sort of advice would you choose to give to people that are struggling with a diagnosis or um, not yet diagnosed? Yeah. So, what worked for me is being active as much as possible. So I had to double up my training sessions, but that's because I'm an indeed trained. I'm, I'm like a professional and I used to do this from like my full-time job. So basically I had to double up my training to, for me to go back into the normal self or my normal level I used to be before. Second of all, supplements, a lot of supplements. I used to have like protein powders, not for me to bulk up, but for me to like, um, compromise on the protein that I'm not like ingesting properly or like my body is used, like taking it in because I can feel deficit. Vitamins, protein powder, creatine, and all those things not for me to lift weight or for me to do anything else. It's just for me to like replace what I actually losing from not eating properly. And the vitamins and then again, double up your training or like your workout. I felt fatigue, I felt my muscles weak, if I don't train, like for example, like two weeks or three weeks, and I felt this when I had my injury. So when I when I broke my ribs, uh, I would I couldn't train for six months, and I felt how my body was reacting to like not being active, and I felt just like so crazy. I felt like my body was super weak, super tired. I can feel like my muscles aching. I feel this because I'm not getting the nutrient that my body is deserving or I need it. So then I replace it with training. I replace it with supplements. I replace it with other things, right? And yeah, I would just say this. I'll say like, be active, be move a lot. I had a friend of mine called me yesterday and a friend of mine, and I threw like me going out and like telling like, hey, listen, I've got through osteoclitis and all this thing happened. And a friend of mine called me and he says like, hey, listen, I'm going through osteoclitis. It's like, it's just like peaking now. It's like, it's flaring up like crazy. He doesn't know what to do. What is the suggestion? And I said, 
I know my friend. I know my friend. He never works out. He's like overweight. He's never done this before. So then I told him, I was like, so then, so in the UAE, we had something called, so we had to go through military, we have to go into military service, mandatory military service after you graduate from university. So then I asked him, I was like, you just came back from military service. How was your experience in military service? He was like, it was fine. It did not flare out. It was easy. It was like, I was co cool. And I was like, see, because you're working out, you're doing something. You're like getting your mind out of what you had, right? Because when you work out, your muscles taking, absorb so much of that impact, it takes out of your takes some of your energy, it takes out of some of your attention and takes out of all these things, right? Like let alone your well-being or let alone like your fitness level or like anything else, right? It takes a lot of your stress. It takes, it helps you. And, and, and for me, stress works crazy with IBD. And he called me for like three weeks after and he said, yes, it did, it did help, even though it helped for 10%, 15%, but then it mentally helped a lot, right? Even though when you get better 10 or 15%, and especially in like in your flare-up, it makes a huge difference. It makes you think positively. It thinks you, like, you make you feel like in that zone, right? So yeah, I, I highly suggest it. And if you you need to take supplements, you need, you will, for me, for me personally, it worked like crazy. I've done it before and I saw how my performance was until I actually did some vitamins. I had like vitamins, protein shakes, creatines, and all those supplements that I took. It helped. It really did help me. It helped me with my performance. It did not help me with my ulcerative colitis, but it helped me with my performance. It helped with like body recovery. It helped with my muscle recovery. It helped with like, um, so whenever, like for example, like if you sprint 100 meter, my recovery time was way much faster than before when I used to like, even though my training was still the same, but then just changing my diet and changing my protein and changing my vitamins that I take, it made a huge impact. Yeah, that's, it's so important, I think, um, making sure that you've got that sort of holistic health package going on. You know, physical activity is always going to be of benefit within the limitations of where you are within the performance. I'm gonna get a charger because my like, laptop is gonna die. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're so right. Like uh, physical activity and just really helps you to take your mind off things just by going out simply for walks or or just gentle fizz is always going to be a benefit. And I think that's that's really true. And then just making sure you know you're looking and paying attention to your nutrition because I think again that's something in today's world that a lot of the time we pay lip service to because. Everything is just there for us, you know, in a packet. And I think we're starting to realize now that maybe something that is convenient isn't always the best thing for us. Um, we've reached a part of the show uh, where I call it the three truths. I've robbed it off a business podcast held by Lewis Harris, where basically we've reached the end of our time and everything you've ever created, everything you've ever done. So, um, working towards the Olympics, your social media, um, people that you interact with, all of that's disappeared. And you have the opportunity to leave three truths, aka three life lessons that you think the world should learn. What would your three truths be? So three truths that the world has learned. So <laughs> um, I would say one is like we always talk, I always believe in this, right? Like our mind is way much stronger than anything in this world. My, our 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 mind makes so a lot of things we we make or we create is within us. We make it bigger than what it actually is. So this is something that I think 
for me it works and i think this is people have to understand this right like and the same thing what we said today right we believe in something and it's we just make a big deal out of it so one we have to get it over our mind we need to believe that our mind is much stronger than anything else and if we believe in something and if we want it it's going to happen so this is one two we all have a different body type we all within sickness within anything else we all have different body type don't do, do, do not just look at for example myself for example xyz i did one two three and worked for me it might not work for you and if you are following me and then you're it's not working for you don't get frustrated because we have different body type we medication works different for everybody food works different for everybody even like with diet, like not, you can't use the same diet and expect the same result as the person who did it just because different bodies. So people need to get over that. So people need to understand this also. I've been through this and it's just wasn't easy to get over it. Three, seek help. Um, I know it's not easy. I know it is not comfortable, especially for people like me. I, I don't like people to feel sad, but seeking help helps a lot. Seeking help Asking for help, it just makes the world get better. I think they're brilliant. You know, mindset, recognizing that we all, everything that works for somebody else may or may not work for you. So it's trial and error for yourself, just paying attention to you, really important, and to seek help. I think that's that's even more important, for, especially if you're early in your IBD life and you know you maybe haven't necessarily got a diagnosis yet if you're experiencing symptoms which could be that always 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 seek help at the earliest opportunity um Mo I'd just like to take the opportunity to uh, to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast it was great it was really heartfelt um whenever you sent me a message earlier in the year telling me that you'd find the podcast and it actually helped you in some way uh but for coming on and you know, being brave in sharing your story, not just here, but on your social media profile as well. It really is amazing. And, you know, you're such a help to your world. And I think actually you're the first person from the UAE that I've spoken to about IBD. So for that as well, like I, I commend you. It's it's It can be difficult, um, I think, when you're coming from somewhere that isn't that naturally Western sort of, Europe and things like that to talk about things of a personal nature. I know different cultures have different taboos. Um, so thank you so much for being in the UAE and doing what you're doing. It's incredible. Thank you for having me over. And again, thank you so much. You've helped me make the decision easier. You helped me make the transaction so much easier for me going through the surgery. You, I'm not saying this because I'm on the podcast, but that's why I texted you because you really did help my life. You have made my decision go faster. You've made me go into the surgery feeling like, okay, let's do this. And I'm ready for it. So I really would like to thank you so much. And then also thank you for hanging me over. Great. That's incredible. Okay, guys, that's bringing us to the end of today's episode. And once again, thank you so much for Mo. If you don't um, follow Mo already, it's Mo underscore rama um and he is on instagram and he's been doing some crazy stuff in this 30-day challenge it's really worth having a, a look at and i'm sure following his journey towards hopefully the olympics which we wish him the best of luck for hopefully we get an olympics this year because that would be fantastic um and also looking into his big wave surfing that's going to be a story and a half to follow so thanks for tuning in guys and we will see you on the next episode